Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast Inner City Spirit hosted by myself, the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero, rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas, in Midtown on the corner of Main Street and Holman. We are still in the midst of an epidemic and this week the governor is going to let the stay-at-home, work-at-home order expire, while the medical professionals are still saying it's too early to lift the precautions. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, There's a lot that we need to pray and act on, as the contemplatives in action used to say. First pray, first reflect, first meditate, and then act. One way to do that is on using the ancient devotion called the Stations of the Light, the Stations of the Resurrection, or the Way of the Light, the Via Luces. I slipped up there because It has a close second cousin, or first cousin, the Stations of the Cross, which many people know and is more popularly used in churches throughout Lent, the Via Crucis. But this is the Via Luces, the Way of the Light. In comparison or in contrast to the Stations of the Cross, the Stations of the Resurrection or the Way of the Light focus on the appearances of the risen Christ from the day of resurrection through Pentecost, which is when the Holy Spirit um, descended on the folks gathered together and when Jesus um, gifted the assurance of the Holy Spirit. That's 50 days after Easter. So the way of the light actually looks at all four Gospels, the final chapters of each of the four Gospels, and reflects on the appearances of the Risen One throughout those final chapters. An interesting fact is that these stations were discovered in the catacombs of St. Callistus in Rome, and that just confirms that these devotionals have been used for many centuries to encounter and to understand and to reflect on the way of resurrection, the way of new life, the way of hope in our world for those of faith. What we hope to do by reflecting on each one of the stations of the light, the way of the light, the stations of the resurrection, is to remember the hope found in the love of God who conquers the crosses of this world.
Well, I'm here with the Reverend Tommy Dillon from Baton Rouge, rector of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church there. And he is one of my closest friends. And um, we are under these restrictions still for travel and in the pandemic. And so um, we are doing this interview over the phone. So, Tommy, thanks for being with me. Thank you, Hannah. It's a joy to be able to connect with you. I'd much rather do this in person. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was trying to think any way I could get to you to do this broadcast. But they're checking Louisiana people at the border, and I decided not to get arrested. <laughs> well, that was very wise, Father <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> so, Tommy, so as you know, we're focusing on um, the Stations of the Light, which aren't as popular as the Stations of the Cross. But I really I love this devotion. And what, what makes a difference is it helps you to focus not on the passion and suffering of Jesus, which is important, but also on the appearances and the promises and the hope of an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And so today is we're focusing on the second station, which is that the disciples discover the empty tomb. The scripture reading is, Then the other disciples also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. That's from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 8. So, question to you is, how have you seen or encountered um, Christ's hope, the resurrected one, um, the light of God in these strange and scary times. Well, Hannah, what I love about these stations of the light, especially this second one, which talks about the empty tomb, reminds me of when I was in the church filming um, the Easter service and, and filming the, the Sundays afterwards that I was in an empty church, so I like the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. And there was no proof of the resurrection there. Because I was seeing the resurrection in the lives of the parishioners outside of the tomb or outside of the church building. And so what really has been inspiring for me is to see how our church has become the resurrected body in the world and the things that they are doing. Um, it's, it's wonderful that they're tuning in for church on Sunday, that they're coming to, to, to Bible study, um, and they're coming to our healing service um, what, do I, what I really love is when we get together for for um, our virtual coffee hour, when people are talking about how their lives are being transformed um, from everything from, from people who are um, respiratory therapists who are on the front line and just being able to tell the stories of, of one of our parishioners talked about how a brother and sister died within six hours of each other. Wow. And she was um, working with them. And how hard it is, but what a, what an honor it is for her to be that presence of the resurrection in the midst of this suffering. Also, uh, just to see some of our retired folks calling each other on the phone, um, the ones who don't have, you know, they, they're not able to, to get on Zoom or they don't, you know, they haven't gotten to that point um, of technology. But what they're doing is they're calling people and, and just letting them know how much they love them and miss them. Um, the other thing that I saw, which is a resurrection story of, I was coming back from, I had to do a graveside service of a person who died from the plague. Mm 
and in Alabama. And when I drove back to the church, I noticed a bunch of um, cars just sitting in the parking lot with with some women sitting, you know, about ten feet apart. <laughs> and they all had gotten together with um, one of the parishioners who is t- who lives alone. He turned fifty, and they were celebrating her birthday in the church parking lot. That's they brought great. cake. They brought wine. And it was delicious. And that cake <laughs> reminded me of eating the Eucharist. It was so good. And just to share it um, with people in that context. Um, I did that with you once when I was in Washington State when we passed around, I think, a banana cream pie or something. <laughs> oh, I remember and, that. And it was so delicious. And it was such a, a holy time that Christ was present in that circle. Um, also looking at, you know, parishioners who are nurse practitioners, those who are working in Walmart, um, hearing all these stories about them being there for other people and putting their lives out there. That's where I've seen the resurrection. The empty tomb for me right now is the inside of that church. I'm longing for us to come back and fill, fill that with life so we can actually sing our hallelujahs together. But right now I'm so proud of not only my church, but your church, um, doing things of continuing to feed people and and for y'all to be on the streets to do the stations of the cross during holy week um and just being that presence it's it's pushing the church to be the church that we're always called to be and i truly believe that when we get 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 through this pandemic um we are going to be a stronger community of faith and we will be able to look for resurrection in places we've never even thought about and so these empty tombs are going to be all over because people are going to be resurrected in new ways in the church. I love that. I love that. That's so wonderful. And um, I know that you have had a lot of experience in disaster relief. Um, and um, tell us a little bit about that. And you've been able to maintain hope and faith through a lot of incredibly difficult times. And yet, you see in the goodness of people the the light of the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, it was it was really tough. I mean, the, the main thing that kicked it off was Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. um, being here in Louisiana, and uh, my father had just died the week before, and um, and I basically with my sisters had to take over their catering company, and um, the, our, our kitchen was located in the Civic Arena downtown Baton Rouge, and. And um, Red Cross said, hey, can you serve all the people in the shelters? And um, we're and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm you know, I burn things in the microwave and I was <laughs> helping my sisters preparing food to serve 30,000 meals a day in 170 some different shelters. That's and new life. That's resurrection. That, that, That's yeah. new life. And, and then and then being able to go into these shelters um, the one downtown had 5000 people. And just being able to wear my priest collar and just to be present as the church. I'll never forget the one time when when I was um, carrying um, communion and this we were going to celebrate Mass in the, the shelter for some of the folks. And I had some that were left and one woman came up and she was like, is that the Eucharist? And I was like, yes. And, and she said, could I receive the body of Christ? And I was like, well... I just want you to know that that this you know I'm Episcopal priest because this is a Roman Catholic area and she's like in pan in 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 hurricanes um, it doesn't matter I'm just hungry for the Lord and and that was very powerful for me and so working through that whole process um, in recovery and and 
and and helping um, the the state come back. Um, and what we learned from that made us the, and the church to be a more resilient church that allowed us before. When I was a clergy person here in Louisiana, we were so divided over issues around human sexuality um, that after Katrina, it kind of that was pushed aside, mm-hmm. and we we focused on you know why, about, around issues around racism and around um, in, um, inequality of income and, and things that the diocese had never really talked about, and so it kind of pushed the church into a new world. So I, I, w- I went out to San Francisco, and I was like, oh Lord you know, earthquakes and tsunamis and mudslides, you know, they don't have hurricanes, but, and so one of the things we did was in our neighborhood around the church was to build a resiliency in our neighborhood. Cause we knew that the neighborhoods in new Orleans um, that came back quickly were the ones who were, um, had, had really close ties. So we built um, a close neighborhood partnering with businesses and condo associations and, and other um, religious entities to come up with a uh, disaster plan. Baton Rouge had a flood, a thousand-year flood, that destroyed over 100,000 homes. And my first instinct was to just go into the homes and help. Like, before I even started my congregation, I was out helping muck houses out with people I'd never met. But it allowed me to jump in and get to know parishioners. So, so then when this pandemic hit, um, I kind of knew what was coming. And so I was able to let members of my congregation know this is what needs to be done. And I went out and bought certain things to be able to video church services. Um, and I started doing my best to work with people in the congregation um, to get things set up. So we had virtual church um, a week before most other churches were going into this mode. So having all this experience um, allowed me to jump back into this role of um, trying to, to have a level head and and not to rush into things too much without um, going through a process of saying, hey, this needs to be done. Who's going to do this with us? And trying not to be a lone ranger, which I was doing a lot more when I was younger and not aware of how to handle a pandemic or, or a disaster. I hope this makes sense. It does. And Tommy, I love the way that you're um, describing the the work of the body of Christ, the faithful people um, uh, it, in a church community being a light and the resurrection, uh, a symbol of the resurrection, an action of the resurrection in the community, and that that um, love and solidarity and action brings um, resilience and, and hope to to communities and to individuals. So any last words, Tommy? I really have loved um, what you've contributed and what you've had to say. Any other anecdotes or thoughts or how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. I, I think, I think well, I, I, like I said to you earlier, I was like, I'm doing okay. Um, it's a bit much and, um, and we have to pace ourselves um, in doing this work and, um, you know, at the same time I'm being really serious, I also love to be silly through all this because you have to have some sort of sense of humor. Um, but the thing, the thing um, that I really am enjoying is seeing people in their homes, um, the church itself doing things in ways that they've never done before. Um, and, and you might feel like it's an empty tomb that you're in at your house, 
but the ways that we can find resurrection um, is just endless. And, and we just have to look around our homes and we can find it. And we can find it online, the people that we call. Um, and, and it's just going to make us stronger. And, and that's what gives me hope. Um, that we are going to be the resurrected people in 2020, 2021, to the church being more, you know, um, more virtual um, for people who might not be able to come to church and also local. And so um, it's, it's a good, it's, it's sad that it's taken a pandemic to push us into to being like televangelists, but, but in a good way. A, a more way. agile, connected church. Yeah. Yeah, I won't, I won't be like our local Jimmy Swagger type church, <laughs> but this is going to be the Episcopal Televangelist Network. <laughs> I love it. So, well, and I really appreciate all the work you do with the homeless. It's inspiring when so many programs are being shut down and, and still connecting it with the liturgy of the church. Thank you, Tommy. This is wonderful. I really appreciate you taking the time today um, to talk to me about these signs of hope um, in, in encountering the resurrected one in the work of the people of Christ and the work of the people doing good things in the world. God bless well, thank you. Thank you. And Hannah, I just really want to end with a quote from one of my favorites um, that we hear when we go to the Wild Goose Festivals, Tony Campalo. You know, his favorite line from his sermons is, it may feel like Good Friday, but Sunday is a coming. And I truly believe that Sunday is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank the Reverend Tommy Joe Dillon for his interview, Palayo Parlade for the music that he recorded for this podcast, Alone Together, and Colin Boothby for his editing and production. God bless you all and see you next time for the third station of the light. And you can find it at our website at trinitymidtown.org.